0: I'm 400 something pounds and I'm tired. I'm tired a lot, right. man. Right, You know, I'm in a ton of pain, but I'm, in, I'm really tired. Ah, uh, brother, I love you, man. I you know what? It, it just then, so you go, what we're take, a we're rest. Do, go Johnny, take a rest. Is we're going to take we're taking positive steps, you know. I I announced it last night on Twitter that I'm just I'm going to a mental place. And I'm going to uh i wanna work on my mind and go through uh all the the stuff that messed me up uh the kid growing up I mean a lot of can fill you in during the break uh, you know, my comedians aren't cut from silk I'm really funny, which means I'm really messed up, sure. And, um, you know, I uh, and then I've got some uh, I've got like three dates that I have to take a break and go do uh, because I'll get sued. And, you know, it's a Vegas date and stuff like that. But I don't drink. So Vegas has never been a big problem for me. Um, And you know, we'll do that, and then I'm going in for that one, I'm going into an intensive 45-day thing down in San Diego, and yeah, man, man, you know, I, I'm trying to get a grip on this and, and make my life better, because my wife and children deserve a husband that doesn't hurt all the time, and can be more active and get control over my weight, and I think if I fix my head, the weight will follow, Yeah, and, I, and, you, you know, know what? that's what I'm working on, Johnny, that's that's what I, That's what's important to me. Yeah. Do here's the way I always look, I try to explain this to a friend. Like, is it, I mean, it's just such a strange thing to think about. You know, if you have an addiction, if you have some issues mentally, if you broke your leg, you'd go to a hospital and you'd get it fixed. And that's that's what it all is. It's a broken leg. You go get it fixed, and, exactly. and then everybody's happier and everybody's better. Oh, you know, uh, I, yeah. I think uh, if I got a broken leg, somebody would say shoot him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like the house too cold
1: I like to keep it hot I don't care much for cooking
0: I like to eat a lot Scares me when she's driving And that always causes a fight I like to fuck in the morning
1: And I like to fuck at night
0: Sometimes it drives me
2: crazy
3: all those things you do you're a big fat gentile and you're a dirty Jew <laughs> sometimes
1: you are wrong
0: sometimes you're not right well, I like to in the morning and I suck dick at night
4: from everyone here at the Perfect Ten we want to say Ralphie, we miss you, we love you and we can't wait to have you back at the show and now please welcome your hosts, Lana Turner, and, filling in for Ralphie, comedian Richard talk? My beautiful husband and partner in crime is in great He's boo-hooing
1: in beautiful Malibu. It's his first week out there, and um, he seems to be getting better. He we to be helping and he doesn't want to be here, but um, I don't really want to be that.
2: And I say, oh, I'm very to have a in know is Hello, everybody. Here's Hi, you. Lana. Thank yeah. you for having me. Now, I invited you to, uh, You're in have, you for people in is that, that is correct. Okay, I, I used to be responsible. I know they're probably addicts, too. Uh, <laughs> But you know you know you know my life that's why I know you understand that. I, I didn't grow up in a perfect family when I grew up my dad was illegal so when we came to this country the only job he get was selling drugs and like any good startup business you use your family first and uh, I was the very first 10 year old kid selling crack in Compton California so when you tell me you know Ralphie is in Malibu and he doesn't want to be there I'll trade spots he can go live in Compton I will go to Malibu I love to go down there <laughs> Oh my god he's in Malibu <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty funny. I could I, I imagine, um Yeah, I, you're very lucky to be able to like, yeah. recover it up there. M- he doesn't want to be there. I mean it's, no. it's still a lot fun. Yeah, My uncle went to rehab in Tijuana. I Let me know. tell you, Ralph, you have it good. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, <laughs> Very well. Yeah. I mean there's no it's not like I'm
2: revealing something, ooh, the four hundred pound man doesn't take care of himself? No. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's surprising. Um <laughs> No, but okay, so I'm not responsible for Ralphie being there. Okay, good, good. I feel better. I didn't I thought you brought me just so you can see if you were selling him like loaded back. Yeah. The... That is true. Well, let me send him my way, man. I know I still know a couple of people. I know a couple of people could help him out with that. Experience, yes. Look, my dad always told me it's supply and demand. That is it. You give people what they want. I think comedy is like drugs. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I remember my dad the way he hustled people. Like, he would do this thing where he, he would have enough drugs to you know, last him for the rest of the week, but then he would lie to these crackheads. He would say, Oh, dude, I, I ran out of the regular crack, but I got like this really super duper crack, like really strong, but I can't sell you that one for 20. This one's for 50, I'm sorry. Well, the addict starts going, What do you mean it's stronger? Yeah, this, this one's really, really good, man, but I, I don't sell it for 20, I sell it for 50. Well, I want the strong one. It's the same shit. <laughs> my dad just lied to them, and it was just like I, at a ten-year-old mentality. I figured it. Out. I said, like, "Oh my god, my dad's lying. My dad's lying to crackheads, and that's how he's doubling his money. That is awesome." The same thing I did with marketing, and my dad taught me how to be a great businessman. Uh, you know, I know it's a, it's a short lifespan being a drug dealer, so I knew I couldn't do that. Uh, so <laughs> I went into school. I went to school. I became an engineer, and then I decided, hey. I want to try comedy, and I fell in love with it. And if you look at it, why do people go to comedy shows? To release stress, to forget about their problems, right? To, to just unwind, to, to, to not think of their problems. Why do people do drugs? To release stress to not think of their problems. So the better your comedy is, the stronger your drug is. you know. And it's my job as a promoter and comedian to convince people that my drug's the shit. <laughs> so, and that's every comic. Every comic needs to convince everybody in the world that I am the shit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's the same game. It's the same hustle. But growing up it's a 10-year-old, You know, it was just me, my dad, my mom knew about it. So she just turned a blind eye. And then my older brother, who was only just 12 years old, but we knew how to cut it, how to measure it. Even when we went to school, like she was like, "How do you know the metric system so well?" <laughs> Cuz my dad gets mad if I get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I knew an ounce, a gram, an apple, I mean, we knew it all. I mean, we had co-words for people, and we knew how many shirts, how many pants. That's how we knew what they wanted. My dad had to come into school because they caught me with $100 in my pocket. Cash. And they're like, "What is he what is it ten-year-old doing with a hundred dollars and that's what we got paid a week a hundred dollars and uh i mean i was buying candy and every i mean like you understand i'm a baller at 10 with 10 you were a hundred dollars <laughs> yeah there you go i was a gum baller in the playground nobody could touch me <laughs> if you were dealing real crack like from at,
1: your house at night playground, like candy crack to the kids of course and- <laughs>
2: You know, that's not a bad idea, man. And I, I mean, I, I was going to Mexico. I could have got myself my stuff from wholesale from Mexico. You know, that mango, Chile mango pletas and the, 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 the little tamarindo candy. Oh, man. Now I feel like a sucker, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I sure, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> the, oh, that would have been brilliant! Oh my god. Uh, towards the end, the end, it, it, it got really bad. I was thirteen at the time. Now, um, it ended at thirteen because you understand when you're working in Compton and it's not your neighborhood, you gotta pay taxes. And my dad just didn't get that through his head. My dad was stubborn as hell. So Cribs came and hit us up. And told, hey, you got to pay your tax. My dad said, Chinga tu madre, no te pago nada culero. Even though they, they kind of get the point. Okay, this guy's not paying. Uh, so he ended up shooting up one of the cribs, up some stairs. He never hit it. My dad, yeah, but he was wasted. I mean, it was just drama completely. So it really escalated to a drive by. Then we, we got a drive by and we kind of shook, shook it off as oh, it wasn't for us. It was the neighbors, you know, they got in trouble. So through the house, yes we we're home yeah that's that's where we sold the drugs we're not gonna leave them but my dad, still stubborn said nope uh, you know it wasn't for us it was a dry by okay. and then we connected one and one together two and two my uncle Hugo, came back said nope they have a hit on you bro they told you to stop selling crack in their neighborhood or they're gonna they're gonna fucking kill you you pay, you pay. yeah my mom steps in at this point says okay you gotta pay or you gotta get out of here we right. gotta leave uh, he's like, nope, nope, I'm not paying, no, no, que chinguina su madre, no les pagó nada, just cursing up a storm. Then one night, uh, we're getting ready to go to Mexicali, and that's where my dad used to meet his connect. And we're about to take off to Mexicali, and here comes a drive-by. We didn't even know. It was a brrrr. And they were so popular in the late 80s, early 90s, they were so popular that, you know, we just thought another drive-by. But at the second time, we knew, we had a warning that they were going to shoot us again. Um, they shot up the house. Now, at this point, my younger brother, my mom's putting him on the, on the baby seat, on the car seat, to take off. Well, we all hit the floor. My mom is in the kitchen getting stuff ready. She hits the floor, and she starts running towards my baby brother because he, she hears him crying. Well, a bullet went through the window, hit the top of the baby seat, pushed my brother forward, fell f- head face first on the floor. My mom thought he killed him, like the bullet killed my little brother. So, yeah, it was on the bed. The bullet came through the window, hits the baby seat, and all she hears is my baby brother crying. And she thought he got hit. It got, we're talking half an inch from his head, just blowing the top of his head off. Uh, My mom just freaked out that night, grabbed a bunch of trash bags, put our stuff in there, dragged us out of the house. My dad's crying. She's crying. The house is all shot up. The cops show up. My first thing my dad does is grab and stashes his, his drugs. And basically the whole routine, hey, you don't know nothing. Like like my dad's putting the muscle on, hey, you don't say nothing. We don't say nothing. So, yeah, so as kids, we're like, we well, don't know. So my dad said, hey, it was the gangbangers that were outside and they shot the house by accident. So we couldn't even go to the cops and say, hey, they shot us because we're selling drugs. It was more like, hey, <laughs> it's, you know. No idea that we were a drug house. So my dad had, my mom had had enough, told my dad, nope, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. That night, we spent the night in a hotel room. My dad, my mom said, you sell your drugs. Me and my kids are leaving. So me, my older brother, my two younger brothers, we're out of there, we're in a hotel. And my dad just kind of said, okay, it's not worth it. And he preferred his family. And it's funny because, you know, Ralphie's doing the same thing. Ralphie's doing the same thing for his family. He's, he's went in rehab, because he cares about his family. If a guy doesn't give a shit, he never goes to rehab. If he has nothing to live for, think about it. He, he has that to live for. So that's why he's trying to better himself. So my dad, see, made that decision too. Right at that moment, he said, I'm out. Business is over. We're closing shop. Yeah, it's be yeah but, it's, but my mom, you understand, a woman is so, women are so smart. Because my mom was stealing from the business. She had saved $100,000 cash. That my dad did not know about. So, my dad now is scavenging to, to just unload the drugs so he can buy some more, just to get the cash so we can get a place to live. My mom was ready to go. She went to a real estate agent the next day, dropped 100 grand. The people said, Keep our furniture. <laughs> We're leaving. Thank you. We just got a house like that. Completely different. My dad said, Let's go to a better neighborhood. He moved us to South Central. I'm like, Dad, this is not a better neighborhood. This is South Central. <laughs> So we went from Compton to South Central. My dad, we had enough money to live for like six to a year, six months to a year, uh, with no work. But my dad, you know, he was a mechanic. He he knew his stuff. He got a legit mechanic job. My mom got a job also. Uh, we went to school and and but we never forgot about that. We we. Dad always remind us, like, we would remind him, but he kind of forgets now. Dad, remember when we used to sell drugs? When? We do No, no, cierto, no? But he, but, it, you know, it helped me because you see the people, man. Like, I, I could see my Uncle Hugo as an addict. I could see, no, he died. He died this year, actually. He died in May of this year, and people were surprised. And I'm like, "Why? He's a crackhead. <laughs> that's what crackheads do. They die." Uh, so I, I, I mean, unfortunately, he died. But I knew it was coming. It's not like it, it's it's a surprise. I mean, you know, it's that's what crackheads do. And it's and it's weird because what helped me is I know how dangerous that drug is, and I knew to stay away from it. My dad never had to tell us, "Don't do drugs." Cause he gave us the school of life, like we got to see it every day. Like we would hear knocks on the door, like, "Come on, give me some drugs. I'll suck your dick." And this is through, like, we're, we're our bedrooms next door to my dad's bedroom, so we could hear the crackhead ladies. They didn't give a shit. My mom's not. <laughs> I was, no. you know, it got it got weird. Cause when I was thirteen, I was kind of considering, like, well, I don't know, I'm I'm going to that age where that sounds. Con- <laughs> So that's how you get girls to suck your dick shit. (laughs) No, Uh, there there was a connect. uh, We we went to Mexicali we'd visit grandma and then on our way back, Alexico is the border town. So my dad was basically cutting the middleman out. He was getting his shit direct from the. No, no, he didn't cross it across the border. They did. They crossed it and in Calexico, you gotta understand there's a second checkpoint. And the more they drive, the the higher the price gets. So my dad made it to you just cross it, cross it over that border, and I'll take it from that point over. So we, you know, my dad's in a van with four kids and a wife. You think they're searching us? So my dad never was a sh- uh, a guy that shined and always bragged about his money or his gold chains. Or my dad was mechanic shirt with mechanic pants and working boots. You always saw him with that. He had special mechanic shirts for weddings. Like he always wore a mechanic shirt with his name on it. So he never dressed up. He always wore the blues, the mechanic blues. So he just had special ones for weddings. You know? but- <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah it was it was it was we i I knew the hustle we learned how to lie from them i mean, and it's it it it's now I implemented in my job as a comic, as a producer, as a promoter, the same thing applies, the same rules apply you don't step on anybody's toes, you know you you mind yourself and and you keep your mouth shut. that's it, and you'll be all right, you know, but i you know uh what a. Yeah, in case you get your dick sucked, if your drugs are good. So I guess the funnier you are, the more chances you're going to get your dick sucked. Uh, not anymore though. Now I'm married. So yeah, and my wife is staring at me as we speak. <laughs> you know what? I have it, but that that would be a great TV show, right? Crack at ten. Yeah, crack at ten. <laughs>
1: wanted to give it a little bit of uh, exposure. It didn't actually get picked up, it's not yet, but it's so awesome and we thought got good audio. So, um, first
2: you need to click to the show, and then you can hear the actual interview with Bill. Alright, good. Let's listen.
0: Ten
3: Ringing church bell can only mean one thing—it's time for naked Bible study with Reverend Bill Freiberger. The spiritually bereft can finally be healed with the nourishing power of the Bible. Each week, Reverend Freiberger will analyze, scrutinize, interpret, and discuss holy scripture with four naked Bible scholars, each of whom has a different perspective on the good book as well as a tight, firm ass and a pair of nicely shaped breasts. For he so loves the world that he has agreed to debase himself by walking among the harlots and the fornicators so that whosoever listens to his show should not perish but have everlasting life. Join Dr. Freiberger this morning and every Sunday morning as he surrounds himself with sin, not for his enjoyment, but so that he may beat it off as an example to all who want to listen and learn. And now, the host of Naked Bible Study, the Reverend Dr. Bill Freiberger.
5: We're lucky to have you very studious women here to really learn about the Bible, but I'm afraid that people are not going to believe that you're actually naked. So what I've done is I've brought in a notary public to come in and um, swear to the fact that you are naked. Can we bring the notary public in, please? Yes, hello. Oh, hi. Um, You are a notary public? Yes. And you swear to the fact? Uh, Yes. So we're going to get right into um, the story of Onan. The story of Onan basically is the one that a lot of people say proscribes masturbation. So, um, Denise, would you be kind enough to read?
4: And it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adolamite, whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua, and he took her and went into her. And she conceived and bare a son, and he called his name Ur. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she called his name Onan. And Judah took a wife from Ur, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. And Judah said unto Onan, Go in unto thy brother's wife, and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his, and it came to pass when he went in unto his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also.
5: So there we go. That's the story of Onan. So he didn't want to impregnate her, but he didn't. He's a coward. He didn't want to say, uh, you know, I don't want to fulfill my obligations. So he spilled his seed on the ground, and that's why the Bible tells us, or interpretation of the Bible, you should not spill your seed on the ground. So if we can come to the conclusion that spilling your seed on the ground is really the problem, is really what the Bible doesn't want. Any better places a person could spill their seeds that might make it acceptable? A
4: tissue, a towel, oh. stomach, back. Stomach.
5: Now we're going to have the naked hymnal, where the girls will stand and they will sing for us a song written especially for this episode of the show. Beth, our organist from my church, has come in to play the music, play them in. So I would like to, Beth, if you would uh, get started. You ladies would stand.
3: And
1: poorly, I have to admit. I think it's a great but do like, do you want know, to feel like you're going to get tried off course because of your, you're talking and you're on the test, but it's certainly you don't hold those beliefs, like you are probably
5: all about whatever, I and mean, I know you all have to, tell them to be willing to care spilling you know, seed. Yeah, oh, believe me, if I cared about spilling a seed, I'd be in a lot of trouble. But no, I um no, I'm actually an atheist. Um, It was funny, when we did the audition, there was one woman who I just couldn't get anything out of. She just wouldn't do anything. I was trying to lead her in directions. She wouldn't do it. And then it turned out that because of the way I was playing it, she thought I was really a minister, and she was really embarrassed to say these things in front of a minister, to talk about masturbation and stuff. And I had to fess up that I was not, in fact, a minister, but I was an atheist comedian. Uh, Yes, a little bit. She didn't make the cut, but yeah, the whole thing was she really, I said, didn't she know? I was thinking, didn't she know what she was coming in here for? And all these things, I'm trying to get stuff out of her and talk about these things. She wouldn't do it, and then it turns out because she thought I was really a minister. Um, but you know, I, I'm trying to do this show. I'm trying to get in the mindset of, um, you know, this the character. But I'm not really much of an actor, so it's kind of tough for me. Also true well, no, but that's the thing I mean that one i there was a concern about do they really have to be naked It's only radio, and I said i even if I'm in the character. I need to respond to reality. I need to ad-lib off of things that are really happening. And if we're pretending, I'm not going to be as funny. Now, if I wrote it in advance and it was a script and and they were actors and we acted it out, maybe it would work. But I thought if we're doing this spontaneous thing, almost like the Howard Stern show or the Colbert rapport or something, I need the real stimulus. So it was never a case where I thought I'm just going to – you know, hit on these women. I'm going to be thinking, you know, thoughts about these women. I always knew I'd be in character, and I kind of thought that would be funny, you know. And just have, the fact that they're naked, and I'm saying I disapprove, and I'm I'm just having this, you know, very, you know, reactionary, right wing Christian attitude about all this stuff. But and in the in the introduction of the of the show, I talk about, you know, or the, the the there's a female voiceover announcer who talks about that I have this plan that I'm I'm going to lure sinners in to the bible by tempting them with naked women but i'm the only one who can see it. i mean i think there's funny jokes in this thing i think there are funny concepts and funny things but there's also this really weird it's a conceptual thing it's almost like in your mind you can imagine what's going on but a lot of the joke is is this ridiculous thing that you really just got to be thinking about and say this guy is there with these naked women, and no one can see him. He's talking about the Bible. It's just this really weird conceptual thing that I came up with, and then, you know, the joke whore in me just wanted to fill it with jokes and ad libs. Well, thank you.
0: Ten.
2: wow i want i want to be the technician at Bill's show i i think we should pick it up I, and i think it's very important yes they should be naked yes yes even though not both hands are going to be on the board one's going to be sp- making a sin and spilling the seed that's that <laughs> i'm spilling it i don't i'm spilling it I don't care. Yeah. exactly the buns are going to get sticky <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a hustle. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's awesome. So, do you mean they didn't even pick this up? Oh, there were some kind of like, um, they
1: were the person who had actually ordered the show was no longer at the network. Oh. I think it's still trying to sell it. I think I, I, I have a feeling we're
2: going to hear this show. Yeah, I think it's an awesome idea, and I, and I think if he ever needs a location to, to record this, my house is very accessible, and if they want crack, I can find it. <laughs> oh, yeah, my wife would kill me. <laughs> no. We to keep things a little bit below the Yeah. <laughs> but uh, here's the thing.
1: We to have the answer. If you're at home right now and you're feeling a little lonely, you need to spice things up. Go to Tell us: Are you looking to spice things up in the kitchen? Thank you. a side? thing about supporting your loved ones. I'm going sure to your adult movie. Once you're in an offer, you won't get what we did. Go to com for a limited time only you 6% and you'll get 50 percent off just stuff and pay but that's not all. Oh no. When you're done with Bible study, go home, log on, When you select one item at 50% off. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs, plus a free extra gift so essential we can't mention it on the podcast. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And we're not keeping So check out AdamAid.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type perfect for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three. Free DVDs, a so free extra gift, and free shipping.
2: Just use offer code PERFECT at adamandeve So there you go. We bring you the naughty clips of girls talking dirty, get your honey and give you an answer on how to resolve that for right you. Oh God, I'm in. I'm in. I'm <laughs> spelling. I'm spelling seed as we talk. God. Yeah. I'm so curious about that. That naughty gift. That's so naughty. You can't even tell us. Oh, what, it, now I want to get it just for the naughty gift. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, is that dirty? You can't even... We say everything on the air, and now we can't even say what the naughty gift is. Oh, yeah. We're going to spill seed on the naughty gift. we and we have one thing that's my favorite segment. I always wonder, it's like one of the greatest mysteries of
1: our time, or maybe of all time, what is it? Is it Nick? Is it black guys like Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Nice.
5: Black guys fucking fat white chicks. do thirst for that jellyfix? doing those hogs with the big black like it's black
6: guys fucking fat white jicks. Ooh, nice, nice. I see my homie he needs to quit he was walking down the street with a big fat bitch but maybe I'm wrong he might collect every two weeks that welfare check <laughs> was a line from too short and I think it holds.
1: I'm interviewing right now, Anya Malik, very funny, very talented comedian, extraordinaire. It's true. What's All right. up, perfect And um, is there one story that you'd like to share with us?
6: Um, <laughs> it was funny, I was in Tennessee, and it was so random, because I was returning back to a hotel. Um, I was out there for a media conference. I was a journalist at the time, and a comedian, but uh, I was out traveling in Tennessee on a, on a mission, on a journalistic mission. And we had been out, me and uh, the staff that on the on the organization I was working with, and uh, we had all pretty much struck out, and we were all on our way to the room. And then you know these two girls was in the hallway passing us. One was on the larger side. One of them was slim, and uh, I somehow convinced them to let us hang out in their room. And then uh, so it was me and one of my one of my homies that I was working with at the time actually was living with too. So we were it was, so it was four of us. And then the larger of the two of them kind of split off leaving me and the homie with the skinny girl, uh, who wasn't really about any action. She was just, you know, missing her ex-boyfriend or some shit she was talking. So, uh, I left, I left homie there, you know, to maybe he can, you know, if I exited myself, it might help his odds, you know, with the one-on-one and then, uh, saw the chick coming back. From wherever she had left to, she I guess dropped somebody off and went to pick up some cigarettes, and convinced her to come smoke in my room. Um, and we was just instantly fucking immediately,
1: Instant.
6: instantly, instantly fucking because you know she was about it. She was, I don't wow. know, she was there to experience her vacation or whatever. Uh, so yeah, it was no, you know, it was no, there was no lines, there was no compliments. He got me to a, Tennessee. The, the funniest it thing. You well, we was, in, we was in Memphis, and I and I had in my room, I had the Bar who's from who's from Memphis. I had their uh, freak show on the dance floor because I had my own hotel room, so I just had that playing on repeat the mm. whole trip. Uh, before I left that night, uh, while I was entertaining this young woman, that song, <laughs> that song, and when oh. she left, and as I went to sleep. <laughs> the bar case freak show baby baby on the dance floor and uh yeah the whole experience was i mean i was playing that song the whole entire trip in my hotel room so not only was that the backdrop of this uh fuck escapade while i'm jamming porky pig um <laughs> oh, she didn't catch my name well your so name's I told her a hard name,
1: name. That's a hard
6: name. I got a lot of hard, yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> right, right. You know, as it should be. So, what was she calling you? Ooh yeah, <laughs> she was calling me ooh yeah, and I wasn't gonna argue with her because it really didn't matter. I wasn't gonna see her again. <laughs> uh, we exchanged numbers though, which was not not a part of the plan. Oh, and so and so I had to really make sure, you know, she had, she's been calling me ooh yeah, which was she was screaming out because I thought she would just be like ooh yeah. And so she was like, so how do I spell Ooyay? Is it? Is she guessed. And I was just like, yeah, you got it right on the nail.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. And that was
6: it. I never, I still don't even know who this chick is. You know, everybody needs love.
1: Big girls need love. Big
6: girls need love. Big white girls. Big black girls. uh, Big Mexicans. um, Big Asians.
1: (laughs) And you're willing to provide.
6: Uh, I'm an equal opportunity. You know, I can't discriminate, you know. I'm into cute faces, so you know if you're cute, you can be as big as you know you can be as big as you want to be. Uh, there you go. But uh, sometimes though, you, when you go big though, uh, it's kind of like a uh, you know it's kind of like the practice game a little bit. You know you gotta you gotta go big sometimes so that when you you know it's like it's like a scrimmage. You know mm-hmm. you gotta go big on the scrimmage so that when you are at the game game, you know the game that you want to be at. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're like, okay, you you already, you know, you know, this stroke is going to, this stroke is going to poke.
1: Well, I can see that. Although I kind of think if you, if you're used to going big, then the game is easier. It's like playing with a lower, like the net's a little lower and the ball is a little bit like easier to hit the net.
6: Resistance training.
1: Right. But just the opposite. So that because like if you if you're training with the with the big girls with the low self esteem it's gonna like make your game Just off the
6: physically no the, the physical the oh act, I see the act not the not oh. the not the mental gymnastics oh, I'm talking about the physical gymnastics
1: Proc- you can move around a, moving
6: around a big gal if you if you have some skills doing that you're gonna move around a smaller gal like it's nothing <laughs> you know maybe a lot of these ladies that are being deemed as fat aren't really that fat at all. And maybe, you know, uh, that's why they appreciate the love that we show them because we genuinely interested in them, genuinely attracted to, to attractive or chicks that are excited, you know what I mean? About their body weight, how they move themselves around, whether they fat or not.
1: I think beauty is definitely from the inside out and in someone's confidence. So,
6: and sometimes you have to find it on the inside.
1: Right. Uh, with yeah, head. with it. <laughs> <laughs> And I think we'll end on that. Thank you very much. Uh,
6: thank you. <laughs> it's black guys fucking bad logics.
2: I knew it. I knew it. Anya, I know Anya. Anya, you dirty bastard. I knew it. You know what? Because I just came back from El Paso doing the comic strip out there. And, uh, yeah, dude, all the comedians told me, yeah, Anya hit that. And when I mean hit it, I thought he hit it with his car because she was big. I mean, this bitch was breathing hard. Like, she came and introduced herself to me because I do a bunch of bits about chubby chicks, and I love them and and they should be proud, and they should show it like a gangster and all that but but no, this is beyond big, this is like <gasps> big like like I was like, damn anya, you are that and I can see him <laughs> six hundred pounds and she's proud of it, and i'm I'm like all power to you girl, but I think you would kill Anya six hundred pounds. pounds, and Anya's hitting it like a champ well. <laughs> shit. And that's why black people need big dicks because you have to go through all that fat to hit the pussy. So <laughs> I told her, baby, what do you think I'm going to hit you with a broom? <laughs> I can't even tap that ass. Like, I wouldn't even get halfway down your butt cheek. I have four inches of thunder. That's it. Oh, this bitch was big. I was like, man, if if I got on top of her, the light bulb in the ceiling would burn my ass. That's how big this bitch was. Like, <laughs> I was like, Damn. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, he's a chubby chaser. He loves the the the, the white meat. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like a lightweight training with a heavyweight. He's right. He wins. It, 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 any skinny bitches out there? Don't fuck Anya. He'll kill you. He he will be too strong for you. He'll destroy you. He'll carry you. He'll toss you in the in the air. He'll shish kebab you and your friend. Don't don't get around Anya.
1: yeah
5: yeah
2: yeah you're right, you're right you 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 learn how to survive in a street fight like that that, that you're right, I and mean, then when you you go to a regular club and where they say, "Sir, would you like another drink instead of "Motherfucker move <laughs> put on the game. <laughs> Yes. The one that's been running forever and then we have a 10 year anniversary this November will be the refry comedy show, the refry Fridays at Hollywood Improv. And I, when I tell you everybody performed there is everybody performed there. Yes, you will be there.
1: 4th Of October, that's not the treatment next week, and then he's still doing Las Vegas at the South Point Casino on the twenty sixth, twenty seventh, and twenty eighth of this month. So, um, we want to see him as the only opportunity to see him until New Year's Eve in Phoenix. And we have our winners for now.
4: We uh, actually did a, a giveaway. Nice. October. And so we have Jeremiah Blue. And
1: mm-hmm. so to the away, you know, don't hold in. So I see some of the latest in the way, then we to talk these things. So right now, um, in Little Rockies, we have this amazing feature that we just released, the short of awesome, and then giving those away. Uh, so all you guys do to win those is get on iTunes, same as at least give us a mm-hmm. and comment, and then put the comment on whatever your social media outlet is, whether it be Twitter or Facebook, just get on there and promote that. We just want we to kind of build our audience, and we want more people to find us. And if you're enjoying the show, like, share it. It's cool. Yeah. It's funny. You want
2: everyone to get out there. Um, and, uh, we'll definitely, we're put did you yeah. well you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna give out my crack recipe i will give out to your listeners only a copy of my dad's crack recipe yes we can post it yeah i have a crack recipe uh-huh yeah he would he would well i'm not gonna give out the secret ingredient but let's just say it was minty when they smoked it <laughs> but uh, it's just it was easy making crack was like making cookies except you couldn't lick the spoon that's all uh you can google best latino comic in la and find me you know why because I paid $200 for that. And George Shlop is pissed. Every
1: week on the
6: show, we get amazing bands. And this week, I am so
1: excited. This
2: really is one (laughs) of my favorite independent bands. Aaron Dussler, we met a episode. He is the drummer of this band. And for real, I absolutely love him. So guys, give it up for us. Hey, Penny!
3: I'm coming you,
4: i
2: friends and well you get the idea subscribe visit our page on itunes leave us plenty of comments and a high rating check out our website at perfect10pod.com we'll see you next week suckers